0: Welcome to Vegan Business Talk with Katrina Fox, author of Vegan Ventures Start and Grow an Ethical Business. Hello, and welcome to episode 43 of Vegan Business Talk. I'm Katrina Fox, journalist, author, media, and PR coach copywriter, editor, and proofreader, and founder of Vegan Business Media, a content, events, and training platform providing success tips for vegan business owners and entrepreneurs. In this episode, I interview Alison rivers Samson, founder of Alison's Gourmet, the first online vegan bakery in the US, established in 1997, and now co-creator of the Dairy Detox online wellness program. Alison, who's also known as the Maven of Mmm, <laughs> I love that name, is a born entrepreneur, buying her first business at the age of 17. She grew Alison's gourmet to the point where it was featured in high profile media, including the Wall Street Journal, and delivered her treats to some of Hollywood's most prestigious addresses. For six years, Alison wrote the award winning column Veganize It in Veg News magazine and she's the author of the ebook Comfortably Yum, 10 Whole Food Vegan Recipes from the Maven of MMM. She recently closed down Alison's Gourmet after nearly 20 years to focus on the dairy detox and her new health and wellness coaching. In this interview, she shares her experiences and insights as a pioneer in online food products, including recognising you have way more competitors than you think you do, and why that's a good thing. The perils of using your own name in your company name. The bold move Alison took to differentiate her brand as others came into the market. The importance of defining or redefining success and adjusting your work and lifestyle accordingly. Why she decided to close Alison's Gourmet rather than sell it how to know when it really is time to quit your business and move in another direction, and much more. Here's the interview with Alison Rivers-Sampson.
1: Hello, Alison. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, Katrina. Thank you for having me. So I'm very excited to to speak with you because your situation is somewhat different to some of the interviews I usually do because you've actually recently closed Alison's Gourmet. uh, But because you're such a pioneering business, I thought it would be a great idea to to do a kind of exit interview, which was suggested by our mutual friend, Demetrius Bagley. And I thought it was a great idea to get some of your um, experience and expertise of of what happened over the years. And then we'll also talk about your your new project. So first of all, um, you were a pioneer in in starting the first online vegan bakery um, in the US so what were your drivers at the time for running Allison's Gourmet what was your why?
2: Well, I had actually um, my very first business I I ran for someone else when I was fifteen, and then when I was seventeen, I bought it. And this happened to be a mail order chocolate company, and I just fell in love with the mail order business model, and I knew that one day that's what I wanted to do. And many years later. I um, fell in love. I mean, I wasn't even vegan then. I was only vegetarian. But um, some years later, I fell in love with vegan baking and cooking. And I thought, wow, this would be perfect. I can create some products. And initially, I was delivering to local um, vegetarian restaurants. I lived in the Seattle area in Washington State. And um, But I lived on an island that was accessible only by ferry and all of my profits were being eaten up by the ferry fees and all the (laughs) time I was spending in the deliveries. And so I thought, gosh, I need to change something here. What if I could have go back to my, you know, earlier days of mail order and have the postal company be my delivery service? what products could I ship and so I decided on cookies and back then my company was just called Allison's Cookies and then over the years people were requesting other things and so after a couple of years I changed the name to Allison's Gourmet to really to embrace the growth of the product line that I was offering. So Fantastic. my why was really, it was the, the first seed of freedom I'm not really a very good employee because I have lots of ideas, and sometimes that can be kind of intimidating to bosses. I discovered. (laughs) (laughs)
1: That's sad, isn't it? Because I was just thinking you were such a young entrepreneur. Like, you know, you you ran this business and you bought your own business at 17. That's amazing. That's really inspiring. And uh, uh, that's very sad that, that, yeah, employees would not want ideas you'd think they would. So you're obviously a, a natural entrepreneur.
2: I am. I'm actually a second-generation entrepreneur. My dad um, is an entrepreneur, and so is his brother. So it's in my blood for sure. In your blood. <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking that.
1: <laughs> Excellent. Thanks for sharing that. So back in 1997, the, the internet was obviously still in its, its early stages. It was nothing like it is um, today or over the past few years. So what were some of your key challenges when you first started out at and Gourmet? Well, I, as you said, hardly
2: anyone was on the internet and I actually started the business as an online business. And so, um, you know, it was pretty quiet in those early days and really the biggest challenge was getting the word out and getting people comfortable ordering things online. You know, I mean, nowadays it's just so common, but back then not so much.
1: Yeah. So how did you handle that? How did you get the word out?
2: Well, at the time, I was um, involved with Earth Save Seattle. And so I put an ad in their newsletter and I would go to their potlucks. And a lot of it was word of mouth. And it really grew from there. And another thing that I did is I I started meeting people who knew people in the animal rights Uh, movement. And so they would say to me, Oh, well, I have this friend who works at PETA, why don't you send a a big box of cookies to them. And so I sent dozens of different (laughs) flavors of cookies. And the staff went crazy. I mean, back then, there were only I think maybe two Cookie brands, uh, vegan cookie brands sold in stores. and um so it was definitely a new thing. I mean, we certainly didn't have the abundance of dessert choices we have twenty years later now. <laughs> sure.
1: yeah, absolutely. So as you grew then, and the internet you know sort of came into its own way, but how did you find that the challenges changes had the challenges changed as you grew as a brand?
2: Well, it was, you know, it's always about marketing I and mean, it's one thing to develop a product and I'm even experiencing that with, you know, my new project, which I know we'll talk about later called the Dairy Detox, but it's like one thing to create the product and it's another to get the word out. So marketing is such a huge part of success in a business and I think I spent more time on that than anything really after I got the recipes down, although I would always tweak them and perfect them, that was second nature to me. The marketing
1: piece was always like more effort and never ending really. That's true, actually. And I think I'm glad that you said that because I think a lot of businesses forget about that. Like they're so into kind of what they're doing, like you say, developing and creating the product. Um, and then they're kind of like, oh, but I, I don't want to have to sell. Uh, you know, <laughs> and it's like, Okay, well, good luck with get, making a business. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so right. I'm glad you touched on that. What about with the as the Internet kind of came into its own and social media, did you find that because you were already an established brand, like were you able to sort of take advantage of the new technologies that came through like social media better than say a brand new um, business starting out?
2: Well, I wouldn't exactly know how to compare, you know, just because I don't, I'm not privy to what other brands are doing behind the scenes. Um, But I think definitely it did. And um, when we created the website, initially, we created it to be very SEO, search engine optimized, uh, friendly. And so I think that that made a huge difference. If you type in, I mean, even today, now that even though the company's closed, it's only been for a week, um, if you type in vegan cookies or Allison's Gourmet, I mean, we are definitely very
1: high I noticed that. Yeah, yeah, I noticed that. I was like, And oh, that was
2: awesome. by design and it was something that was always at the floor every time we did a rebuild.
1: Fantastic. No, that's great. That's great. Um so let's talk about stuff. So did you have any staff or was this just you as a sort of solopreneur? Well,
2: throughout the twenty years it really changed and ebbed and flowed and it depended upon what time of year it was and where we were in the growth. And so um, in the beginning, it was me. I did everything. And then I added staff. And I mean, I got to a point where I had probably um, maybe two other people, three other people on a regular basis. And um, and then, of course, during holiday times, we would add, you know, for a month or two weeks, depending upon which holiday it was, we would add extra help and really just be going at full steam. And so it, it just really ebbed and flowed. But I am I like to have things very organized and I like them just so and so I I wanted to be really precise with who I hired to help and frankly, part of what was the biggest challenge for me was the whole employee situation, not a situation that I experienced, but just the concept of employees. I don't really like managing people. I want people to manage themselves. And that isn't always. I mean, usually people who can manage themselves are people who have their own businesses. So <laughs> it doesn't quite kind of work out when it comes to looking for help. So that was always a hurdle for me, and it just felt easier for me to do it myself. So I, in the you know, certainly in the early days, I just worked way, way, way too much so that I could do it the way I wanted it done and not have to deal with. I don't know. I'm, I've just never been very good at, you know, reprimanding someone or, you know, things like that. I just, I want to be with adults and I want us all to do what we know to be right.
1: You know what I mean? I do absolutely it's funny you say that because my partner and I moved from the UK to um to Australia to Sydney we opened um a vegan eco hair and beauty salon and my oh. partner who'd been running businesses for years you know kind of just went straight into it she was like right you know hiring staff here and there and my job was to like pay them and you know do all the research and stuff but I very much like you I didn't I just wanted to keep them happy I was like oh we must be nice and, you know don't you know don't be too strict with them or anything because they might leave and I'd be panicking because part of it was we were getting our visa through the business I was kinda of like, I've got to be really nice and so I was I was kinda of like you. I'm kinda of like I didn't want any confrontation, I didn't want to have to manage people. So yeah, I can certainly relate to that. It's a whole different skill set again, isn't it? Like you say, it you know, really we do that product in the marketing and then you've got to manage staff. So were they like sales staff, Alison? Or what kind of um No, staff was? it was um the people
2: I had regularly was um, someone who handled production and then someone who handled all the customer service and order packaging and that kind of thing throughout the year. And Mm -hmm. then when we added on, you know, during those holiday times, we would have people in both of those arenas who were temporary help. And, you know, I didn't need them to be as, you know, they were just there. They were doing this one specific thing. And so it was easier Got it. And
1: were you were you working from like, did you have an office for Allison's Gourmet or did you run it from home and have remote staff? How did that work?
2: Well, the we always had a commercial kitchen and where I live is in an area where there used to be. Well, there still are a lot of summer camps. I live out in the country in the foothills of the Sierra Nevadas in California and um, kind of in between Sacramento and Lake Tahoe. So it's very rural here. And we had lots of summer camp. Probably we have six summer camps within two miles of our house. Um, And right next door to our house used to be one and a family bought it and there was a commercial kitchen. They completely redid it. And then I trained the um, woman who lived there how to make everything for me. And she was impeccable. I mean, very, very good at what she did and perfectionists like me and it just it worked out really nicely so we had the commercial kitchen of theirs and then um, we did all we had a separate section of our home where we did all of the packaging you know the gift packaging and shipping
1: oh, okay so you had staff working in your home did you
2: I did and that was kind of intense especially during the holidays for sure it was like ah.
1: A little nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I spoke to who I interview? L- Liza Broad Glidden from uh, Beanfield Snacks, and they do a similar thing where they're with their admin and stuff. They actually have staff in their home. Mm-hmm. And like she saying, it works for some businesses, may not necessarily work for others. So it's, uh, it's interesting to get those perspectives. So um, let's talk a little bit about the so-called competitions. Obviously, when you started out, you were the only person kind of doing what you did. And then, as you said, as time went on, more and more cookie brands and sweets and chocolate, vegan chocolate, kind of came onto the Thing. So as that started to happen, um, how did you go about continuing to stand out both within the, the vegan community and outside of it and maintaining a steady flow of customers?
2: You know, it's interesting. I think that the, the concept of competition, uh, it depended on how if I was keeping my eyes on my own paper, so to speak, it never really felt like competition. But if, you know, some new person was coming and they were getting a ton of press and, you know, things that I hadn't gotten, there were times that I would kind of feel like, hey, that's not fair. And I would have those moments of pangs of competition, but I would sit myself down, have a little chat, and it's like, you know, there really isn't any such thing, and it's all competition. I once heard someone say that Coke's biggest competitor wasn't
1: Pepsi. It was water, because it's, it's a beverage. Oh, and that's so, an interesting concept. is it? That. I know. I,
2: I thought that, that was brilliant. Yeah, it is. It, it kind of helped me,
1: <laughs> because what <laughs> yeah. I
2: realized is that not only are other vegan chocolate companies a, quote, competitor, but... Um, A salad bar is a competitor because really we're competing for real estate, someone's stomach space and what they're putting in there. You know, it's like they're only going to be putting so much in there, hopefully. Um, So so it just it kind of like made it larger than life so that it didn't even matter anymore when I was able to look at it that way.
1: Oh, I love that. That's really great. It's, that's fantastic. So did you, um? so when you said, and I, I love that whole kind of concept and of, you know, competition and, and even, you know, collaboration and, and yeah. uh, brands maybe working together. But in terms of how you, started, did you do anything differently to stand at, like to do, you know, did you find you had to do kind of extra marketing or extra strategies to make sure that people still, you know, knew about Alison's Gourmet and amongst all these new brands coming out? I definitely did. I read
2: tons of i'm a very experiential kinesthetic learner, so even though I took courses in marketing in my early days, it didn't really make sense to me until I had my own business and I had something to practice on and with and um, one of so I just basically educated myself um, and one of the books that I read said you know if if there are people you know companies coming along if you are you know, the first. Being the first is actually not so great. Being second is really great because then you can start from where whoever, you know, forged the path, all the trail that they brazed, and then you can take it a step higher. So I kind of always felt like I was forging the path and other people were benefiting in some ways. And that was hard again for me in the early days. But as I matured through the business and just getting older myself it didn't it didn't really bother me but one of the things that I read was some a concept of making your brand stand out by being the best, the top, the premium and that's already my personality and so I decided um, when another company came in and started kind of doing something very similar, I decided to differentiate by not, they they priced their products very close to mine. And I was like, you know what, I am not getting into the price war. I did not want to have a McDonald's uh, model business where you make tons of product and sell it very cheap. I am all about high quality or it had to be, of course, vegan. That was number one. It had to be organic and it had to be fair trade. And those things aren't cheap. And so yeah. I decided that you know I wasn't going to cut any corners. Instead, I would make this business be all about being the best. And so I raised my prices.
1: Wow, nice. And, and that obviously worked out.
2: Yeah, that was that was directly from a book that I read that said, you know, make set yourself apart. Don't don't get into a price game with someone. Go beyond. And deliver. And so that's what I did. And and it was a real luxury, actually, because I was able then to have the most beautiful website, have the most beautiful packaging, you know, everything was elegant, the very highest end. and And that's really what we became known for. We had celebrity customers. We had people who, you know, had no idea that we were even a vegan company. They just liked our website the best out of what they saw and would order from us. And it was really great to be, I mean, that was a really exciting thrill for me to be able to trick people into eating vegan food because we've been tricked (laughs) into eating crap for so long. (laughs)
1: That's <laughs> so true well on the subject of that the, the the actual use of the word vegan so back in the day like when you first started out um, can you talk a little bit about your your decision to use the word or not use it or its prominence in your marketing materials back then and also whether that evolved or changed over the years
2: yeah that's such a good question in the early days I was all vegan 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 and I found out very quickly that that scared people and so for probably the first 10 years, I stopped using it. Uh, maybe it was only eight. But anyway, I, I didn't have vegan anywhere on the website. And so I would get all kinds of emails from vegans saying, are you probably vegan? <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, ah! And then um, about 10 years ago, I had a complete redesign, complete everything new with branding and the website. And I decided to say vegan. And what's funny, so I had some things that said vegan, some things that said gourmet, and I kind of wanted to see how people responded. And even though on the website, uh, on the About page, I talked all about how we're a vegan company and all this stuff, and even on the ingredients section of each product, which we had um, on the website, it said ingredients, colon, parentheses, vegan, and then it would have all of the different ingredients, I still got tons of emails saying, can you make sure that my order is vegan, or which of your products are vegan, and I'm like, ah! (laughs) So I didn't want to modify the name of every single product to be vegan this, vegan that, so I just kind of dealt with it, but um, it was kind of a funny thing.
1: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Oh, that's great. That's good. I love asking people that because I get such different answers from people. Mm-hmm. And I was curious, it's interesting that you say that over the years, you know, people have gotten more used to the word, you know, it's starting, its image is starting to change somewhat and now people are getting, uh, you know, a bit more confident and comfortable about, about using it. So I'm, I'm glad you shared that. Thank you. And um, now you've been touched on this a little bit earlier as well. You've been featured in a lot of media, um, including some, you know, high profile prominent uh, media such as the Wall Street Journal and as well as having your own column in Veg News for several years. How important has media coverage been in terms of raising your brand awareness as well as generating leads and sales?
2: You know, that's been really interesting. Some things were really valuable like uh, there was a write-up about us in Vegetarian Times and that was phenomenal. Phenomenal, and then um, there was Alicia Silverstone was on the Rosie O'Donnell show, and she talked about our brownies and that was incredible and then the other things you know were just kind of here and there, little you know they didn 't make a huge difference i don 't know that I ever really found the thing that would blast the business to the level I wanted it to be, and then by the time that could happen my personal life changed and I needed it not to do that. So, you know, it was kind of an interesting thing. I had hired a PR firm. I got a lot of different, you know, hits from magazines that had posted and about our, you know, published things about us in their magazines and, and online. And, I don't, you know, and it's funny about Veg News, you know, I did have this award-winning column, Veganize It, and still today, people have no idea that I'm the same person, like they had no idea that Allison's <laughs> Gourmet and Veganize It have me in common, and so, you know, I'll get these emails, I think I actually just got one today, in fact, of someone saying, I just figured out, that yes. <laughs> like, wow, I, I don't know how much clearer it could have been in the byline, it said Allison's Gourmet of. Yes. Every time, <laughs> but you know people don't people don't read that
1: part I guess I don't know it's funny cool no, thanks for sharing that now as well you also touched on a number of celebrities embraced your products um, and you delivered to some prestigious addresses in Hollywood how did that came up uh, come about like was that also through the PR firm or did you take uh, sort of other steps to get your because I think that's always an interesting one for vegan business owners and entrepreneurs they all kind of want to know how do I get you know my product or my service into the hands of a, a celebrity so what can Can you tell us about that Alison?
2: Well the the most important thing I can tell you isn't how I did it it's that it didn't do much for my business surprisingly Um, I would have you know usually it was someone sending a gift to someone and they would hear back that it was wonderful but then they didn't necessarily come and place orders. I mean, there were a few of them who did, but I was always surprised because these are people who have a lot of people helping them manage their lives. They have a need to be giving gifts often, especially during the holidays, you know, their dog walker, their driver, their door person, you know, all these different things. And to me, giving them, you know, uh, some really elegant vegan sweets was a fantastic gift idea, but you know, you can't obviously make somebody older from you. And, you know, there was not necessarily a way for me to put that idea in their heads. So it wasn't as, uh, it sounds a lot more glamorous than it really is. And part of the reason is that celebrities aren't used to paying for things. They want everything given to them for free. And it's kind of ironic because, you know, they're the ones who have the money to spend. So, you know, know, it's kind of a funny thing. So it was always a a real honor to hear that, you know, so-and-so liked my products and thought they were really beautiful. Or once in a while I would get an email from them. But, the next step I was I was always trying to figure out how to make that next step happen and
1: I don't know that I ever really did. Did you take advantage of the fact like you got these quotes or maybe you had a photo of the celebrity with the product? Like did I wondering, did you use it from a PR perspective in that way to kind of say, Hey look, you know, Rosie O'Donnell's just been on this show and, you know, with the uh, or Alicia Silverson's just been on the, the show with my product. She loves my products. Did you use it as a PR type like a publicity tool? I did,
2: but i wasn't i didn't have permission to use the image um, and I was very, very respectful I mean, there are lots and lots of celebrities who enjoyed my goodies, and i I don't just go around dropping names the only names that i will say are a handful and it's because I've gotten permission from them. And so I'm, I'm super respectful of all of that. And, um, there are legalities to using a celebrity's likeness. And I wanted to make sure that that was an acceptable thing to them. So I always asked permission and, you know, a lot of them, they get paid for endorsements. So, you know, I mean, a small company like mine obviously couldn't afford that. And so, you know, I wasn't able to use their photos.
1: Got it. No, it's really good. I'm glad you've mentioned that actually. I think that's really good for people to know that it, it's good to be respectful in that way, to yeah, to, to get get in touch with the celebrity or their, their assistants and, and get that permission. So that's yep. great. Thanks for sharing that. Cool. Mm-hmm. So what advice so you're as we talked earlier, you're a natural entrepreneur. So for people who are say they've got their day job, you know, they're working as an employee, but they've they've got these passion to to start their own vegan run business, what in your opinion the key things they need to take into account before they make that jump?
2: Keep your job (laughs) so that you know you have an income. I mean, the the thing is when when you start a new business, uh, unless it's some very unusual situation, you can basically count on not being able to cover your expenses with that business. for, I'd say, I mean, if you're doing really great, the first year. There's no way. The second year is about when you can start doing that. So basically, you know, of course, it depends on what your business is and how you're doing it. But no matter what, you're going to be busting your butt. So don't, have the thought that, oh, I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to, you know, in a month I'll be covering all my expenses <laughs> with my new business and I'll just come up with this product and, you know, everything will be great. I think that there's a lot of um, delusion, unfortunately, and <laughs> there, it, it's an ass-busting proposition, that's That's really the most important thing I can say so if you're if you're ready to work and dig in and live that passion and have two jobs at a time and usually your new business is gonna be more like a job and a half, if not two more jobs, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know sometimes being an employee is easier and recognizing the privileges that come with each because they do. I mean, owning your own business has a lot of great things to it. And at the end of the day, there is no end of the day when you have your own business there isn't pass it off to someone else. I mean, it's, you're in it and it's yours and everything is, you know, I mean, it's it's not for the faint of heart. And I don't say this to be discouraging, I say it to be realistic. And there are so many things that people don't even realize they're gonna have to do once they get into having their own business. And we kind of mentioned that earlier, like just because you make a great cookie Does not a business owner make you, you know, I mean, you got to know about marketing, you got to know design, you got, you know, or you have to have the money to hire people. And usually in the beginning, you don't have that. So there's a lot to it
1: for sure. Oh, good. Now I appreciate your honesty. I think it's good for people to hear that cause we want them to be both inspired, but also, like you say, to really know the realities of it and not to have these rose-colored glasses on when they're they're thinking of starting a business. So you touched on the the funding. Um, so if, as much as you're comfortable saying, um, what were some of the methods you used to actually get started? Because I guess every business has its you know startup costs, even an online one. Um, and what advice or tips would you give to people in terms of different funding models? Well, I didn't
2: have very many different models. Um, The first one I did, I do not recommend, and that was living on my credit cards. Um, And I got myself into some trouble with that. So I definitely don't recommend that. This is why I feel so strongly about people staying with their income, you know, do the hustle, do whatever you need to do to make as much money as you can. Sock away whatever you can so that when you're you're to the point where you know that you have at least six months of your, um, of your expenses covered, then you can, you know, sever the tether tether of your, you know, daytime job, as long as you know that now you're going to be doubling what you're doing in your business you own so that you can keep that revenue coming in. It's so, I just can't stress that part enough that, having that security of knowing that you've got the buffer because it does take time to get that generated.
1: Excellent. Now, I really appreciate your honesty there. and Excellent advice there. So moving on to sort of mindset issues. So a lot of business owners say running, you know, and owning their business, it's the fastest way to, you know, kind of develop yourself because it forces you out of your comfort zone. Like we touched on earlier, you've got to learn all these new skills and managing people and all kinds of things. So what qualities, what personal qualities do you think are essential to staying the course and running a successful ethical vegan business?
2: Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, and it comes only second for me to parenting as far as, you know, the fastest path to personal growth.
1: Um, <laughs> oh, yes, <yeah. laughs>
2: And I have definitely grown through having my business. And there are things that I have had the privilege of learning because I had to learn them that there's no way I would have taken interest in had I not, for example, marketing. You know, I mean, there's so much fear around you know, selling yourself. And it's, it's an important component of the business. If, and I'll say that for sure, like one of the most important pieces of the mindset is you better be willing <laughs> to talk about how great you are and don't shrink away from it. And obviously, you can't do it in a, in a pompous way, but just in an owning your awesomeness. I think that we tend to like kind of diminish ourselves and and really when you're selling yourself, because that's what we're doing when we own a business, there's really no space for that. I mean, humility is important, being humble and knowing that what you're doing is awesome and how you're doing it is awesome. So having the confidence in yourself is important. I think being tenacious, not letting go, like really seeing what needs to be done and being willing to get in there and dig around in the muck and and do it. And that's gonna mean, you know, not necessarily getting enough sleep sometimes. And, you know, this is my my new life is all about self care and wellness coaching. <laughs> and, you know, that that doesn't always pair very well with with the entrepreneurial life, especially not a food business. I mean, it is a hard hard um, it's a hard industry to be in, frankly, the food realm. So I think, you know, having the tenacity and, and having that willingness to learn. I mean, I am such an eager learner. I, I, that's all I want to do all the time is learn, 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 learn. And, you know, I think that that makes, makes it so that a business can be more
1: successful. Fantastic. Now, you touched a little bit on self-care and we're about to go on to talk about your new project. So, Were there any steps or things that you did um, to ensure that you've got a strong mental and emotional well-being as a business owner? Well, one of the things is I have an incredibly supportive partner, life partner and
2: um, that makes a huge, huge difference. And and having different practices that feed me no matter what But I do. So, for example, in the morning, every morning I meditate. It took me a lot of years to get to the point where I was committed to that. And I finally found a meditation method that works really well for me. And, you know, there are thousands of different kinds. And once I found the one that worked for me, I finally understood, oh, this is what people got out of my <laughs> <laughs> So, um, you know, having that and being willing to say no so that I could find space to do what I said yes to. So every time we say no to one thing, we're saying yes to something else. And the inverse is true. Every time we say yes to something, we're saying no to something else. Like there is no endless... um, there's no endless space. Like we all have 24 hours in a day and that's it. So if I say yes to staying up and binge watching some shows, <laughs> stranger things, perhaps yeah. <laughs> um, then I'm saying no to my self care. I'm saying no to getting enough sleep. And then tomorrow it may not go so well for me, So having (laughs) that clear balance of like, okay, what am I saying yes to and what am I saying no to and having the courage to say both yes to the things that I really want and to say no to the things that aren't in alignment with what I'm needing.
1: Wonderful. Wonderful. I love that. So let's talk about the new uh the new project. So you've actually recently, as we said, closed Allison's Gourmet and your new pro and you've started your new project, the Dairy Detox. Now you ran Allison's Gourmet for nearly twenty years, which is quite a long time and it's obviously quite a big decision to close a business, particularly yeah. a successful one. So tell us a bit about why did you decide to close it and go in another direction?
2: Yeah. Um Yeah, the dairy detox is something very, very exciting for me, so I'm glad I get to talk with you about it. So, yes, after 20 years of Allison's Gourmet, I mean, I I have a family, and it just was requiring. I, I was sort of... Balanced between, quite precariously, between not growing the business so big that it was going to take over my life and have, make it so that I had no space for my family, but growing it big enough that it could be sustainable. And I kind of felt like I was standing in between two tides that were just really, really magnetized to each other, wanting to clash. And like, I had my hands out, you know, on both sides, like, okay, you stay there and you stay there. And just the energy that it took to hold that space just became too much. And I realized that I wasn't enjoying the business anymore because of all the effort. Like it was either going to grow and engulf me or it, I wasn't giving it enough attention and it would wither and neither of those felt right for me. So um, I considered selling the business and I talked to several interested parties and ultimately I decided that in order to sell Allison's Gourmet part of what had the greatest value was the brand name that unfortunately had my name in it. And um, one of the biggest pieces of advice I would give to a new business owner is do not name a company after yourself, unless the company (laughs) is all about you. (laughs) Because then what I realized is that, So I'm a recovering perfectionist and I haven't recovered enough to have my name on a business that I'm not involved with anymore and thus have no control over. So no matter how many announcements I made on social media or no matter what I did, um, you know, there are going to be people who aren't going to get the memo that I'm not involved with the company anymore. And now what I'm doing is I'm branding myself, I have, you know, my coaching uh brand, and then also doing the dairy detox. And so I realized, you know, if someone who owns the business does something that I don't agree with, maybe they don't want to have organic anymore. Maybe they don't want to have fair trade or God forbid they want to not do something vegan. Like there's no way I could live with that because in the end, all I have when the business is gone, all I have is my own relationship to myself and my relationship to the animals. And there is no way that there's any amount of money that would be worth betraying, either of those things. I just wouldn't do it. I mean, I was even approached by someone who was in animal agriculture, which in a way was kind of a cool thing because it says that people see money in vegan businesses. And of course, we know that with, you know, the new Tyson Beyond Meat thing.
1: Um,
2: So in a way, it's kind of a, you know, it's a good thing. But I knew that there was no way that that, I mean, that was an instant no. I didn't even have to think about that one. So I just was like, you know, I I think that it's better for me to just close it. And, you know, I walked away from a lot of money doing that. But what I walked away with was peace of mind
1: and peace of heart and nothing can buy that that's a, such a good point and I'm glad you've raised several things there which I think is fantastic because often like you say I could and you drew such a great visual you know I could literally see you there between you know these two ties like trying to hold them back and I could feel how much energy that must take and I think it's really good to to let people know that they need to define their own success because I think sometimes when we go into a business there's pressure maybe from the outside to think okay I've started a business I have to grow as big as possible I have to make right. as much money as possible to get out there and you know get make that happen and I think that that's really great what, what you've done to actually say well no that's actually not necessarily success and you have to define what's success for you um, and that you then you know made this decision to to close the company so that you could have success in your you know as you define it and, and taking on your new project so I'm really glad that you you shared that and very good point about yes not, not having your brand being all about you unless it is all about you right. um, that, that's a really important one I can certainly relate to that so thank you very much for sharing that so um, were there any particular well let's let's just stay on that so knowing when whether when or whether to quit is something a lot of entrepreneurs or business owners they need to get a handle on Um, and sometimes you know it can be seen to be easy to be quit uh, to quit when things are going tough Um, and others say no no you should push on and keep through so what advice do you have on this in regards to how do you know when it really is time to let go You know, I wish I had this brilliant answer to that,
2: and I, throughout the 20 years, I think it's kind of like a marriage or any kind of relationship where, you know, there are moments that, you know, you're going to want to get out, even in the first six months, the first six weeks, the first date, you know, (laughs) so... I think that the only way that I can answer that is to say, have a real relationship with yourself where you are committed to telling yourself the truth and then you will know. And for me to be honest, in a way I was done five years ago and then three years ago and it took me three years to let go. And, you know, I, I couldn't, have let go a moment before I did. And what was really helpful was my husband said to me, you know, you need to pick an end date. And then no matter what happens, and this was during the period where I was considering entertaining the idea to sell. He said, you just need to pick an end date. And then no matter what happens, at that point, you're closing, because it was making me crazy. Um, You know, the not knowing and how's it all going to work? And So once I did that, it, it just, everything felt lighter and it was, it was just so clear to me that, yep. So if somebody, if, if something is going to work out, this was earlier this year, if something's going to work out great, but at this point, October 4th is the last day I'm shipping any orders and, you know, the website came down and it's, you know, done. And it was a real relief. And I think that I wouldn't have had that if the time
1: wasn't right. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's that kind of, in a way it sounds a little bit woo-woo, but about getting in touch with that intuition. So you're not just kind of having a really bad day, you know, where everything's gone wrong and you think, right, that's it, I'm quitting. But then it's not kind of, no, not really. It's just a bad day. Whereas compared to what you're doing, it's, it's you know, it's it's a much more kind of intuitive thing and what you're feeling is is relief is probably a, a good sign. Um, so yeah, thank I'm you for, about, for sharing that. <laughs> I'm all um, about the woo-woo. <laughs>
2: and intuition is a huge I mean I think that's another big asset to have when you're a business owner is to be connected to your intuition and um, you know I think that you make a really good point that it's not about having a bad day I did not decide to do this in a moment of anger I did not decide to do this in a moment of sheer exhaustion like every single december 26th i am done forever you know <laughs> and
1: <laughs> and i didn't make the decision on december 26th <laughs> <laughs> got it so look tell us about the new project then the dairy detox and your new your new business what it is how it came about and why you chose it yeah. yeah,
2: so the Dairy Detox is uh, a, a 12 day online program that's designed to help people feel better, make kinder choices, be better to the environment through ditching dairy. And I created this, I co-created this with um, my business partner, Michelle Kane, and she owns World of Vegan and um, does all kinds of worldofvegan.com. She makes tons of videos, has a big YouTube following. I'm sure a lot of your listeners know of her. And um, she's just an incredible human being, and we've been friends for several years, and Things just converged at the right moment where we decided to partner, and we didn't know what we were going to do. We knew we wanted to create an online course, and at first we thought oh, it would be an, an, a go vegan thing, and then we realized, you know what? Let's start earlier than that. Let's find people. Let's let's like be there for people in the mainstream culture who they're just at the beginning of their journey and they, they maybe have heard that dairy is a problem it's maybe not good for them or it's you know not kind to the animals or you know like there's some inkling in their mind that there's a problem with dairy they don't know what it is and they have no idea how to go about not consuming dairy so we decided on, you know, we would do this as a detox because everybody likes detoxes and, uh, (laughs) you know, doing something as 12 days, anybody can do anything for 12 days. So we thought, okay. And and actually getting back to the woo-woo thing, this idea came to me in in a meditation. Like I kept on, I was meditating and, you know, it was over a few days and I just, kept getting, my meditations kept getting intruded upon by this idea. And so I was like, okay, the universe is talking to me. Great. I will do this. And we actually have been working on this for over a year, about a year and a half. And, um, so it's really cool that it's, I mean, I didn't design it to begin when Allison's Gourmet ended, but, that's the way it worked out. And so we're launching our first session on November 1st and people can register now. And even people who, you know, I mean, I'm sure a lot of your listeners are already vegan, so they don't need the dairy detox, but they probably know people who do. So, Absolutely. Yeah. You know. I think
1: it's a really useful tool actually for, for vegans to share with their families, their friends, their colleagues to, to say, you know, hey, why don't you check this out? Um, you know, so I think that that that's fantastic. So why did you choose that? Like how will that be different in terms of your goals for success than Alison's gourmet? Well, so uh, more the lifestyle side.
2: Yeah, there. yeah. Well, with I mean, what I'm learning it's so interesting because creating the product. I mean, it's it's twelve videos delivered over twelve days, and we have downloads, and so that people can basically they they go from beginner to pro in dairy free living in twelve days, and and we deliver it in a very compelling way, so that we hit on all of the issues. You know, what do you do instead of dairy milk? What do you you do instead of cheese. Um, we talk about nutrition we talk about the animals and we talk about the environment so that at the end of the 12 days the goal is that it becomes a lifestyle. and um, so we, we did a lot of work in creating the product and the difference is that with Allison's gourmet, I every time I had a sale, I had to make sure that production was right there. So it was like reproducing the product each time. Whereas with this, we're focusing mostly now that we have everything created. now it's all about marketing. So there's a little less um, labor intensiveness as far as production goes and and that really works well for me, it's not necessarily holiday related, where, I mean, I used to be a really unpleasant person to live with for the, pretty much the entire month of December, because I was so stressed. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah. Um,
2: and, you know, this, this program, we, like I said, our first session will begin November first, and then we'll be launching it every first of the month. And so, you know, it'll go for 12 days, and then we'll have, you know, the rest of the month, to assimilate what we what we learned through this session, we'll be able to spend that time marketing and that kind of thing. And one of the really unique things that we're doing is we have a really generous affiliate program. So um, oh, if, good. Yeah, so any of you out there listening who you know you have a platform, you have a following, and um, you know you're you're reaching people like this. Um, send us an email hello at the dairy and let us know that you're interested in being an affiliate it's super easy and we provide all the information someone needs they've got like logos and the sample recipe and press release like just everything it's really all done for you so that all you do is tell your people about it you get a special code when you sign up and you get money, so oh, it's that's great. Cool that's thing. a really good.
1: It is. It's a very good business strategy, actually, as well. So I'm glad you you suggested that works very well for for something like a a, a digital um, uh, course and and download. That's fantastic. So final couple of questions. What experience, skills, and knowledge from running Alison's Gourmet are you able to bring to running this new project?
2: Well, for both my coaching, uh, because I do private coaching as well um, to help people you know i mean self-care is such a big deal and you know i mean especially entrepreneurs i mean we're kind of the worst at it um, (laughs) because there's so much to do and um i'm really good at it because i know every way there is to fail (laughs) 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 and then get back in the program and so um so both with the coaching and with the dairy detox what i you know my persistence that i learned in having Allison's gourmet learning about marketing learning about really stepping forward and and really stepping into my power and owning my space so that there's somebody occupying it because I think a lot of times
1: we unconsciously expect other people to do that for us and it just doesn't work yeah that's a good point very good point point. and after, finally then what um Alison, what's your long-term vision for yourself and your new brand huh. um, what do you mean in in what um, so i guess so you've got this going. you've just launched the dairy detox and you're doing your coaching so i guess where, where do you see it going in in the future like in 5 years time 10 years time do you have any sort of i don't know long term goals or vision for for where you want to see the new business go or grow So this is an area where I'm a very atypical entrepreneur. Like
2: there are people who, when they have their businesses, you know, they're they're good. They create a business plan and they've got like their one-year goal, three-year goal, five-year goal, 10, you know, all those things. And they have an exit strategy, which would have been so beneficial for me with Allison's (laughs) gourmet. I would have changed the name a long time ago. (laughs) Um, You know, I, I can't say that I have a real plan per se as as much as I I am very excited about this new way of being in the world and really stepping into so I'm a second generation entrepreneur and I'm a third generation educator so um, everywhere I all of my career endeavors right now are in the role of educator. And um, between being a coach and being, you know, a guide with the dairy detox. And um, then I do a practice called NIA, which is a, a class I teach weekly that's dance, martial arts, and healing arts like yoga. And so they're all, it's like all these teacher roles. And I'm like, wow, I definitely didn't expect that. But that's where i'm at and and really um since he mentioned our good friend demetrius earlier in the conversation my astrologer he is he is my astrologer these days but oh, wow. years ago my astrologer told me oh you're supposed to be a speaker you're supposed to be you know out there communicating and i'm like oh my god really and so <laughs> that's i do do some presentations and speaking and that's i see that for sure coming into fruition more
1: wonderful that's so inspiring actually i think that's really good to hear as well because you know it, it means that you know you don't have to be stuck just doing the one thing so obviously you know you you were meant to do allison's gourmet and it's all your experience and everything you've, you've, you've gained from that, you've now been able to apply in this new role. So I think that's actually inspiring for people to know that, you know, just because they're doing something now that they feel passionate about, their interests may change, like similar to you, you know, your life balance may become, you know, more, uh, you have different priorities, and that it gives, you know, your, your original business can give you that platform or those skills um, to move into another direction. So I think that's very inspiring. And um, you've shared such a lot of wonderful information, Alison. And it's been really great speaking with you. I really appreciate it. I know our listeners are going to uh, get a lot out of this. So um, we wish you all the best in your new endeavors. So it's the Dairy Detox. There'll be links to that on the show notes page. And um, thank you very much for joining me today. Oh, thank you so much for
2: having me. Your questions were so brilliant. And I love the deep dive. And I mean, this is so valuable, What you what you're sharing with your listeners and thank you for the honour of being here.
0: So that was Alison Rivers-Sampson of Alison's Gourmet and the Dairy Detox. You can find out more at alisonriverssampson.com. And that link is on the show notes page at veganbusinessmedia.com forward slash podcasts and going to episode 43. Now for our vegan business news roundup. An Australian inventor has developed a new vegan cheese made entirely from potatoes, reports the Daily Mail. Andrew Dyhin claims his product, Chato, that's C-H-A-T-O, is healthier and more eco-friendly than dairy cheese and will be up to 30% cheaper than other plant-based cheeses. Diana has spent years creating chato, which currently comes in liquid form, although he's also created cheese-like blocks. And the potato product melts and grates too. Dahin is currently seeking funds to start making chato on a larger scale within the next year so he can trial it around Australia and eventually overseas. So another great food innovation, based on one simple vegetable <laughs> – I'm excited to taste it. A Facebook friend noted when I posted the story recently that if you have baked potato and chato cheese, that's a lot of potato. (laughs) And it sure is. So I'll be watching this story with interest and I'll certainly keep you updated with Chato's progress. Vegan power couple Rich Landau and Kate Jacoby are expanding their vegan empire in Philadelphia with the opening of a scaled-down version of their upcoming new fast-casual eatery, Whiz Kid, in the Whole Foods Market on Pennsylvania Avenue, reports Philly.com. The couple, who were recently interviewed on NPR's Fresh Air with Terry Gross, own the popular upmarket restaurant Veg and street food bar V Street and they plan to open a larger Kid next to V Street before Christmas. The centrepiece at both Kid outlets is a Philly steak, a mushroom, satan, onion and pepper cheese steak, which Landau, who's renowned for his original concoctions, was inspired to create after making a cheese steak for vegan senator Cory Booker when he visited the area earlier in the year. Pre-prepared products are also available and Wizkid will be the first store in the area to carry Beyond Meats Beyond Burger, and that's the one that bleeds beet juice. So this sounds fantastic. I love how they've got the market covered for both vegan high-end dining and fast food that appeals to both vegans and non-vegans. The UK's first ever vegan trade show will be held in October 2017. The event, which will be solely for media and trade, is being organised by the team at VegFest UK. It will be held on Friday the 20th of October at Olympia, followed by the annual two-day consumer event London VegFest UK. VegFest UK Trade 2017 will see around 200 storeholders and the organisers anticipate an attendance of around 2,000 trade buyers and media representatives. The new direction comes after organisers saw a continued increase in supermarkets, hospitality, airlines and mainstream media visiting the VegFest UK consumer shows, as well as the numbers of vegans in the UK increasing substantially, according to a survey carried out by the Vegan Society in 2016. VegFest UK Trade is sponsored by hemp company Yeo, along with the UK's longest-running vegan business, Plammel, which makes chocolate and other dairy-free alternatives. The organisers plan to collaborate with industry and trade experts to deliver a packed day of talks, workshops and opportunities for media and buyers to connect with vegan product manufacturers. Bookings open in early 2017 and further announcements involving partners and consultants will be made over the coming months, so I'll certainly keep you updated on those. This is another outstanding event from Tim Barford and Alan Lee at VegFest UK. I had the pleasure of meeting both of them last year when they invited me over to launch my book, Vegan Ventures, at London VegFest UK and to speak Plus, I spoke at this year's London event by Skype on intersectionality and business. Alan and Tim have really grown the vegan movement in the UK massively from their many, many shows across the country that see tens of thousands of attendees. And I'm really excited to see this trade event develop. Brazilian furnishings brand Artifacto featured its first vegan space in its annual exhibition Design House. The exhibition showcased nine curated spaces by design firms who took their inspiration from their favourite fashion icons. Florida-based Antrobus and Ramirez created a luxurious contemporary space made of organic and synthetic materials, all vegan, inspired by animal activist and fashion designer Stella McCartney. The space featured a textured black and beige colour palette lined with copper metallic and eco-friendly accents. How great is this? It's so cool to see design firms sharing the vegan message and showing that you can have stylish luxury spaces without the need for any animal products. It's also a good example of how service providers and creative professionals can spread the seeds of compassion within their industry using their skills and talent. Love it. Finally, a new vegan meat alternative company in Australia got a boost after renowned comedian and TV presenter Dave Hughes made a funny video that went viral on social media. The alt-media company, whose tagline is Grown Not Bread, launched in major supermarket chain Coles as well as independent retailers in August this year. Their products include beef-free chunks and strips, chicken-free chunks and strips, and pork-free shreds. In the video, Hughes impersonated a kebab shop owner asking male customers if they liked their meat. And to those who said yes, he promised them a treat. After they tucked in, licked their lips and said how tasty the food was, Hughes then revealed that it was all made from plants. And the responses were pretty funny. One guy said he felt he was having an identity crisis and others were simply wowed. And the video had over 700,000 views when I last looked on Facebook alone, which again goes to show that if you can collaborate with a celebrity who shares your values, it really can raise the profile of your brand. And just as an aside, uh, I used to perform on the same bill with Dave Hughes at open mic nights in Sydney several years ago when I did some stand-up character comedy as my alter-ego Kitty Minge. and Dave was the headliner. And it's great to see him use his well-deserved fame to promote a vegan product, especially as Australia has put out some awful ads promoting meat. This was a really excellent counter to those. So that's it for this episode of Vegan Business Talk. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, I'd really appreciate it if you gave it a review and rating on iTunes or any other platform you're listening on. Finally, I encourage you to head over to veganbusinessmedia.com where you can find more resources, including details of my media and PR consultations, copywriting, editing and proofreading services to help you grow your vegan business. I'm Katrina Fox, author of Vegan Ventures, Start and Grow an Ethical Business, and I look forward to catching up with you in the next episode of Vegan Business Talk. Bye for now.